Hello and welcome to Extraordinary with me, James Wallace, the show that shines a light on ordinary people who have gone on to do extraordinary things. This week, I am so excited to speak to Jake Arnold, who is one of my oldest and closest friends. And despite him living thousands of miles away in LA, we still manage to chat all the time about life, relationships and work. Jake features so heavily in my mind when I reflect on my childhood because we share so many similar experiences. He has gone on to build himself as one of the most sought-after interior designers in Hollywood and has designed the homes that you see all over Instagram and in the magazines for a string of actors, musicians and TV stars. He's been featured in Forbes and Architectural Digest many, many times and has recently launched a brand new business called The Expert, a new platform that brings premium interior designers to the masses all over the USA. I could not be prouder and I'm so excited he's been able to join me today. Jake, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. My oldest, bestest friend from back in the day. How are you? I'm good. I'm honestly like having the best time today because I have a three-day weekend, which when you share this, that will be no longer, but I just want to enjoy the moment. Yeah, I'm at, <laughs> is it, so you have like a Labor Day to right, today, right? Yes, I think it's like, it's like President's Day or something. Honestly, don't know oh. what it is, but I will, am taking the day. People are <laughs> working today, I'm like, well, I'm not, so that's great. It's unreal. A, it's an official holiday. Anyway, listen, thank you. Thank you anyway for coming because I know you are a busy guy. We normally only speak once a week at the weekends when we're both free. You're like waking up. I'm going to sleep. So <clears throat> I really appreciate you um, giving me the time. So thank you. So I'm really interested. Well, I know a lot about you, obviously, but I have really wanted to officially put one of our deep, meaningful conversations onto a podcast because we always chat about this kind of stuff. And I have a feeling that so many other people are really interested as well. So I'm really interested. Well, why don't we start where we are today? So tell everyone who you are and what you do. So my name is Jake. (laughs) Do you need like last names, everything? No, I don't need your last name. Just your first name is fine. So I'm Jake and... I actually grew up in Hertfordshire with James. We went to the same we went to the same primary school, um, and obviously we'll get into all the specifics. And now I live in Los Angeles, and I'm 30, believe it or not, which is insane. Like honestly, like when we were younger at school, and as I knew of someone that was 30 years old, I was like, they are old as fuck. And now I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm child. Like so, um, yeah. So that's like the general gist and we are now here and we're going to delve into how we got here. Hundred percent. I mean, I agree. I I think as recently as when I was twenty five, I thought people who were thirty were old as fuck. So, um, so, so I am really interested. If we go all the way back to your childhood, and you are someone who is ingrained in my childhood, and that's because we went to the same primary school, and. I, I've talked about this story before, but I found myself at primary school feeling very, very lonely, um, especially at like lunch times and all the boys were playing football. And me and you basically found each other because we <laughs> didn't like football. And basically, we, we became really good friends as a result, which I think is really interesting. But I'm really keen to get your thoughts on your own childhood and how 
and looking back, how you feel about it? I mean, I feel like in general, pretty much everyone that I know, even to this day, other than a few people, we all had relatively like privileged backgrounds. And I think that now as I've got older, you you realize what privilege means. It's not just, it's not about being the richest person. It's actually about just what life has awarded you. And like I had everything I needed and wanted as a child from those perspectives. But I have to say, when I look back at my childhood now, from an emotional like standpoint and kind of mental health perspective, I struggled so much. Like I don't even, I don't actually think I realized at the time I think I felt felt it physically, but mentally I didn't understand. I just thought it was normal to always feel different. Like I always felt like I never fit in. Like I always had loads of friends like you, but I never like was fit into like a certain category of type of person. Like I was always just like, I'm not really good at sports. I'm not academic. I'm not good at drama. I'm not good at art. Like I was not good at anything. So like for me growing up, I remember just not being good at anything and not being praised for anything that I did other than the fact that like I showed up, like I wasn't good at school work. I wasn't good at any of that stuff. I I used to pretend that I was sick so I didn't have to do games or whatever or PE. And even though it's funny now to look back on it and talk about it, like I have to say that after doing therapy and, and having conversations like this with friends it's that you've realized how much of an impact and even talking about it now like I'm actually very uncomfortable and I don't get uncomfortable about anything but like it just makes me feel like that child that was like so uncomfortable and like never actually could just like be free because to me I feel like when I think of childhood I think of everything in like hyper masculinity or femininity like in this world of like toxic masculinity that you are not like for me when I think about it it's like for me to have been accepted and valued and like all of those things I'm sure you feel this way too like you would have to portray more masculine traits you couldn't do things that were like considered more feminine like that makes you unattractive as a human being and when you're in school when we were growing up like that is not something that's cool to do or like people want to be like you're playing sports and you dating all these girls and you're doing um you're like you have bikes on the playground like that is your sense of self when you're younger and I was so opposite to that like I just don't subscribe to those types of to those types of like narrow boundaries anymore because I it, but it's taken a long time and it still is not is now but has been it's always a challenge because it's like when you're constantly trying to hide a secret, like me being in the closet and being gay and knowing I was gay since I was like 12 or 13, knowing that pressure, as I'm sure you can like, uh, like kind of, why am I going to I can relate. Relate. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's just painful. Like, I can't explain to you, like, people don't understand, and I didn't understand even when I came out, that I was in so much pain because I was used to that. I was used to not – I wrote this down, actually, like, and it, like ages ago when I was journaling, and it's like I grew up constantly making sure what I said was the right thing, sitting the right way, saying the right thing, like, making sure what I'm interested in is the right thing, like, always editing every single thing that I wanted to say or do – and never being myself. So that is why even to this day when I really let loose and just like 
embody who I am as a person, which is someone that like doesn't have boundaries of like who I should be and what I should be doing or what's acceptable and what's not. I like lean into that where I'm like, this is what life is about. It's not having boundaries. It's not like you can only do this because you're a boy. You can only do this because you're a girl. You can only do this because you're straight. You can only do this because you're gay. It's like, we can do what the fuck we want. And like, that is liberating to me. It's like, I don't have to pretend that I want to be a property developer or be in anything other than interior design and wanting to be a designer. Like I never, ever wanted to admit that to people because like, I always, this has been my passion since a child, what I do. And like, I used to go around to all my friends' houses. And I, I mean, when we went, when I went to your house, we broke a chest of drawers and I got sent home before moving a room around. But there was so much shame about that. Like, I can't tell you. People like might, even if you're listening to this, you're like, oh, that doesn't sound like a big deal. But it is. Like, when people shame you for liking or caring or wanting to be passionate about the things that you enjoy, that is really damaging. So I think that it's childhood overall. Like, I had a great childhood. Like, my parents were amazing parents. They've always supported me. But it doesn't mean that, like, there weren't many things that have been said or done that weren't intentional. But they think they chip away once one tiny chip at a time your self-esteem and your self-worth and that's what I've learned as an as an adult it's not about one massive thing happening to you all the time it's these little digs and chips that one one at a time build up to this like how you see yourself and that's that is the new yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so much of what you just said. I mean, me, me and you had very similar. I mean, we we did have the same childhood almost. Like we lived around mm. the corner, we went to the same school, and we were both closeted kids. Like you were the year above me, but we became like very very good friends. And I think, thank God, thank God, we had each other because mm. I and we ne- and the the sad thing is is that we never ever discussed it until we hit like twenty five, until like you know we actually had you know, the, the ability to reflect. And I remember, I don't know about you, I mean, you brought up an example there around PE and games and we didn't even have a choice. Like we had to play football. Like that wasn't even an option. It wasn't like, oh my God, guys, like, you know, you could, I don't know, stereotyping here, but if you want to play um, the trampoline, if you want to go on the trampoline or if you want to do gymnastics, you could do, we didn't even have the choice. We were forced to play football. And I distinctly remember obviously being crap at football. And, um, and I got, and the PE teachers took the piss out of me for it. And that, at the time, obviously, I, I, I tried to, to rise above it as a kid, but that's, you know, in my brain, that is like stained on my skull. Um, and, and you're so right about the, the, the key, and, I, and I've said this before, but the key to happiness in my mind is just living your truth. And it's just really difficult to do that in, in toxic environments. And I come back to the fact that, LGBT education wasn't even legalized in the UK until way after we had left primary school. Um, and it was decriminalized as a, as a mental health um, disorder in 1990. So like the year you were born, like it is mad. It's absolutely mad. So, and, and, and I, and I agree, like this isn't an opportunity for us to like say we had bad childhoods because we did not And, you know, we went on nice holidays. We went to nice schools. It was lovely. But looking back, there was a lot of trauma. There was a lot of pain associated. And it's got nothing to do with like people's parents necessarily, or like 
it's just like I think that people feel like saying that they have a lot of scars or like damage. Because by the way, if you're a human being on this planet, unless you fit into a mold of being a specific person, like it's different. Even 20 years ago, growing up, how we grew up and how kids grew up today. And also I, a lot of my clients in, in LA, obviously like the way the cult, the cultural differences in the schools, like people would never be forced to play sports if they didn't want to do it. Like that's not a thing. Like we had to do so much. I was sent on summer camps and football camps. Like I actually thinking about it, have blocked out so much of it because it's yeah. so fucked. Like I seriously, have, I when I think about how depressed I was, and I didn't even know that was like what depression was. But like mm. I was so miserable. Like I had to go to sports camps and pretend to like want to do those things. Like that is not how we live today. Like people were not awarded that freedom, and like it wasn't embraced that people were different. Like being different was not good. When you're younger, all you want to do is be the same as everyone else, and like. I just prayed I wanted to be able to do everything else that other people could do. Like, honestly, every, every time I think of school, it's just like so much discomfort. It's like, yeah. anyone would want to say what I wanted to say. Do you, like, I was never bullied, but I definitely was like, people called me names a hundred percent and it was never made me feel good. And there were those specific people that I can remember to this day that are fucking pieces of shit. That, <laughs> have actually reached out to me on like Instagram or whatever. And I'm like, you don't get this privilege of us even knowing each other. Because like you're a part of us. And I forgive because we're all younger and kids, but I'm not going to forget the type of pain that when people call you names or make you feel bad, it's like those are people that you just can't surround yourself with and you have to move through and rise above. I'm really interested in, in, in kind of how you view people um, who were not so nice to you back in the day. But I'm really interested as well. So when you were talking about school, are you talking about school more generally or are you talking about primary school? Is it more secondary school or is it all of the above? All of the above. So you, you had essentially, similar to me, quite a miserable school experience yeah, up until so you went to, I guess yeah for sure so you ended up at uni and you studied um business management now anyone looking at your career would think that is like mad because you are interior designer creme de la creme elite to the stars like you're smashing like you are a design you're an artist like i'm staring at you now on zoom by the way we're obviously not together um he is wearing this like incredible jacket he's got his man bun rock like he's in this amazing apartment and i just cannot believe looking back at when you were going to uni you studied business management how was that why did you make that decision i mean i think it was so easy at the time that we always i would say like oh, it's like good because business, you can get into whatever you want to get into. And like, there was always like a justification. And by the way, like, don't get me wrong. It definitely has helped me along the way to even to be able to move countries and have a degree in something that is a lot more um, dynamic. Like you could do so many different things with it. But obviously like my passion and like what I've always been interested since a kid was design. Like I have never been formally trained. I've never done any formal work. I, to this day, have learned everything I know on the job. So 
I studied that. And, and again, same with uni. I, I hate, I don't like formal education because I don't like that people are written off as a child before you've even developed or know what you're good at doing. Like everything that I was good at or was passionate about was never something that was like praised or like, it's very easy for people to be like, I always knew you were going to do that. Or like, we always thought you would be this because I'm doing it. But like, if I didn't go in this direction, then what are you going to say? And it's so easy for people to like, yeah, rank it over what you have to go through to get to the other end and just pretend that like, Oh, I always knew that you would do that. Well, if you did, then why am I, why am I having <laughs> to tell my parents that Jake's not going to go anywhere and that I couldn't even get into sick form? Like, why is that even a conversation then? But the problem is, is that you're written off. Like as a child, I was written off and I went to the best schools like you did. And it doesn't matter. Like people, you're either academic or you're not, or you're in sports or you're this. Like everyone's obsessed with categorizing how people are, especially as children, as kids. And I'm just like that. None of that helped me. Like I've had to do this on my own. Yes, I have a supportive family and have good friends, but at the end of the day, I'm not letting anyone. And I'm getting angry about this, but it's like I'm not letting anyone take an ounce of credit for where I'm at today, other than the fact that I had a really supportive family and good friends. I had to do everything myself and believe in myself and change my entire outlook on life, which I did at 18 when I was in my at no 21 when I was at uni, when I got into spirituality, like that is what saved me and made me feel good about myself. Like that is just what it comes down to. And can you, cause that's something I'm, I'm probably like jealous of because I'm not sure I did get into it or I wasn't as awakened as I am now back then. And I don't know, maybe I would have chosen a different career path, but I'm really interested to understand what happened at 18 to make you realize you were going to go from a business management degree at Nottingham University to becoming like a superstar interior designer. Like how there must have been such an overwhelming sort of, I don't know, an overwhelming wave of emotion at that point to actually make make that decision because, yeah. No, I I mean, I think I was 21. It was in my second year, I felt like, which I think is 22 or 21. And I was so depressed. I actually suffered from really bad depression at uni. Um, like actually, like I was, I wouldn't leave my room for a few days and I would lie and cancel plans and all of the basic stuff that people who suffer depression do where you just think it's normal, but it is not. And I remember picking up a book and someone was like, you should read this book. And I was like, oh, I don't read shit. Like, like I was very pessimistic. Not pessimistic, just like I just lived on autopilot. Like I didn't think about anything. Like if when I look back and I'm like, I didn't question things. I didn't, I didn't like assess or understand. And sometimes it can be a detriment when you are doing too much of that as well. But I remember someone was like, you read this book. And one day I was buying like stationery. And the book was like randomly by the checkout. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, I'm just going to buy this book. What was the book? What was the book? It was The Secret. Wow. But it's okay. so funny. You can talk about it. Like, I have such shame about The Secret because now I've written, I mean, read so many other things. And like, yeah. where The Secret is derived from, The Secret is such an oversimplification of everything. But not to discredit that when I read the book, I remember picking it up. 
And I think that this is how I would describe an awakening is that you have to want it and like you're ready for it. Like everyone has it at different times. So it's not like, I wish I did this earlier or like, like sometimes you're not ready. It's a huge overpowering mm-hmm. of like, it's so hard to explain it's like there's just like a shift that's so deep that you might not be ready for it and you might not want that and maybe you might go your whole life and never do that and that's the thing is like there are people on this earth that like are younger souls or older souls there's people that just like want to constantly grow get better do better and there's other people that might not even know that they need to do that or want to do that like they no one needs to do anything but it's a desire that makes you push yourself to being uncomfortable and having these uncomfortable conversations in order to grow and expand your your awareness so when I read the book I could not put it down I was I remember going back home for the weekend and I was reading it non-stop and I was obsessed and something hit me so hard I honestly can't even tell you I was like oh my god like you can have and do whatever the fuck you want like, and I remember telling myself at the time, and this is also like cathartic talking about it now, is I remember saying to myself, like, in any situation that you ever get to in life, right now, you know the truth that like anything is possible and you are in control of not the situation at hand, but how you deal and how you handle and like what you experience. So, so like in this book, I was like very preachy at the time. Now I don't preach because now I'm like, if you want to live your life this way, great. And if someone wants to tell me stuff, great. Like, like that's how the conversation, but I was on another level where something took over me. And I was like, it was everything I would talk about all the time. I was like, so we would be like, Oh, we're driving to, to, we were in London and we were like drive to town and get a parking space. And everyone was like, we're never going to have to park. We're never going to like small things. And I was like, no, no, no. Like everything. I was like, we're going to park. We're going to get in there. We're going to have, like, I was so positive in a way that was so uplifting that nothing bothered me. Every single fear, problem, like there was like a good six months where all of it dissipated. I would drive around and just feel like elated. I was like, I'm get to live and exist on this earth while I'm driving my shitty car full of crap. I just felt good. Like I was like, (laughs) I feel good. And I'll never forget that time because I remember it so vividly. Like that was such an incredible moment where I just felt reborn I was like I'm in control and I remember that that was the start of how I got to where I am today because I remember wanting to own that I wanted to do interior design and I wanted to apply for an internship in London for the summer of the last year of graduating and I'd worked and done an internship at a property developing company and I thought I was going to get the job there and they were going to offer me the job after I graduated and every day I, I swear to God, I would check my phone in the morning and I had a Hotmail account at the time and I would check my email every day to wait to see the, to see the job offer. And I was like, why the fuck have I not got an email from them? I worked there the whole summer. They told me that they were so into me working there. Like we were just, it was like, that's what I was about to do. I was going to graduate and work at this developing company in, in London. And I never, I wasn't getting the email. I was so frustrated And it's so crazy because these are the moments when I look back and I'm like, had I got that job, I would never be where I am today, like ever. So when people don't get what they want in that moment, 
realize that it's the universe like actually making way for something bigger and better for you that you honestly don't even know is around the corner and that was a huge lesson for me where like I put everything into that and I was like I will only want to do this job and this is only my future and this is what I'm doing and then when I realized that that wasn't where I, what I was meant to do like it was just so freeing because I put everything into that also I'm talking a lot but like I'm just trying to get to the beginning of the story oh um, we love this story I'm loving it of, and by the way what's so amazing and, and I remember listening to this in a podcast years ago because I used to be really big on podcasts when I read The Secret and someone said they were like you know what make your life a good fucking story so that when you're old and sitting on a chair like you can you can tell your story and I'm proud of my journey because now I see it looking back and I still even have to feel that way today of like I'm still not where I want to be or or be in the emotional state that I, is ideal because like it's always work it's never nothing is ever just like awarded to you like you have to put in the work and I remember I've got a Twitter account I have no idea why I don't have a Twitter account now and I go I like they have like a search bar at the top and I searched interior designers because when I was reading the secret I was like the way in which I would approach everything was like I hate to say it, but it was like magical. I was like, you can literally find a way to do anything. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get Twitter. I'm going to see, I'm going to type in interior designers and I'm going to see what comes up. I'm going to apply to those companies as internships for the summer in London. Like that was my plan. The third company that came up on the search was a, was a company based in Los Angeles that I, I've never been, I'd never been here before. I've never even been to California. I think I went to San Francisco once. So I'm looking at this company. I'm looking at everything they do. They're doing like projects with Courtney Love, like with John Travolta. Like they have like a mate, like a huge, this amazing design firm. And then they have this like random sizzle, which is like a sizzle. If you don't know, is basically like a, ultimately like a mashup of imagery, like in short videos to that people sell to networks to get a TV show. And they had one of those. And, I was so enthralled, like I was so impressed and like drawn to this lifestyle that like at that time was everything to me. Like, and it's, and I'll, we'll get to how that's all changed, but like everything about it was like so appealing. I was like, these people are just like having fun, doing design, like loving their life. And like, I used to have these dreams of like sitting at like big dinner parties with like all these fabulous, amazing people and just like, that was, I was just like so obsessed with this idea that I couldn't even like wrap my head around it. And I remember I tweeted them and I said, Hey, I'm looking for an internship for the summer. I would love to come for the month. And by the way, there was no intention of ever moving here. It was more just like the idea of having a month in LA was like insane. I was like, Oh, I want to do this. Of course. They, yeah. They tweeted me back and they were like, yes, yeah, send me your resume. Let's have a Skype interview. And then to cut a long story short, they were like, we can't pay you anything, but you can come for a month. And I was like, <gasps> I thought I hit the jackpot. I was like, this is so insane. That I get to do like a like work internship kind of like just experience, like learning how just, it didn't even matter about, it wasn't about money. It was not even about that. And I remember the day before, I, I found an apartment the week before I was flying here. I didn't know a soul, like not one. This day. is like this is like pre Airbnb days as well, yeah, right? It was like yes, like I had to like Google shit. Like it was, <laughs> I was paying like 
$2,800 a month to live in Hollywood for anyone that knows. Like, I was living in the shittest place of all time, getting ripped off because I didn't know. Like, I had no clue. And my dad was like, I'm not, we'll help you. But like, all the money I had at the time was my permits for money. And my dad was like, well, you need to use that for something important. I'm like, this is my dream. This is what I'm using it for. And I just want to do it. And I, I remember flying to LA on my own. I've, I, I was so... Can I, just, can I just check? So was this like a legit internship or was it kind of like off the books? No, no, it was like, it was legit. Like it was a proper internship. Like but did was, you need a visa? Did you need to like, because if you were working... Yeah, it was an internship visa. It wasn't working. I was interning. It was like doing what you would do if you interned anywhere. Just it wasn't in London. Right. So, so you got a visa. Really, well. I wasn't ever even planning to, I didn't, I was like, even though I always like probably didn't want to live in London, like my intention was always like, okay, let's just get experience. and like, why not kind of thing. And I didn't know, I didn't, I've never been here. So I had no idea what even like drew me to it. So then I remember flying there and I was so, everyone was like, God, are you nervous? Like, you don't know anyone. I was like, I am so excited. This is how I thrive. Like I like to be in new experiences because then I have no pressure. Like it's actually easier. I feel like I can just be who I actually am and just not be apologetic for it and like give a shit about people, what they think about me. And it was just so freeing and liberating. And the people that I interned for, they took me under their wing. They were so incredible to me. Like, honestly, I'd never had the, I had the best time of my life at that time. It was like, they would take me to these parties and dinners and like show me around LA and like talk to me about, they were so into the history of LA and like, they just created this whole experience. I would have never got just coming here, like the way they live and the things that they would do and the places they would see, like, it's not like a typical, like tourist experience. Like I remember my first day, they asked me to meet me at like, um, like the owner of like guests, their house in Bel Air. And I remember driving around in Bel Air in my shitty car. It was like, a, honestly, I couldn't even remember what it was. It was like, like the, the, the boo trunk, if you will, was tied on the inside by rope because it was like, <laughs> and I remember driving up to this house and I was just like, oh, like I was just like, I, I'd never even seen anything like it. And it wasn't in a way that I think people live now where everything is so exposed. Like even when I came here, Instagram wasn't a thing. Like I hadn't seen anything like it before. I was like, this is so, everything was just so exciting to me. And they took me under their wing and like, they're still really, really close friends of mine to this day. And I've always been so supportive and I just loved it. And then I remember being like, going back to London, I didn't have any plans and I remember I met um a guy here on like I was seeing this one guy who was like Brazilian at the time and then the day before I was leaving I remember the night before I was leaving my boss at the time who I'm so close with now she invited me out for like she was like oh let's go out like we'll have fun I'm meeting some friends we should go out also, I'm like, this is such a long story, but it is just part of it. So, I'm, No, it's great. Carry on. Um, if there's questions, I'll ask. But then I remember we went out and I was leaving the next day. Like I literally was like, oh no, this was two days before I was leaving. This was two days. Cause so I was leaving. I had, I was all done, like ready to go. 
But I also was like, I have to come back. I don't know how I'm going to come back, but I have to figure it out. But again, I was still in the the secret where I was like, oh, I can figure this out. It's all good. So then we got we got to this like club or whatever, and we're having drinks. And she introduces me to like all the people there, and there's this one guy there. And I remember, like, we literally look at each other and I was like, this is so fucking weird. Like, I've never had this moment where it was just like this instant attraction slash, like, curiosity. I'm like, who is this motherfucker? Like, it was just very... (laughs) And I was young. Like, I was so naive. I didn't know what I know today. And, like, everything was so different then. Like, I was not who I am today. And I was just, like, so enamored by this person. And I was like, what is happening? And I remember he the next day we were going away for the office and like whatever we were talking the whole night like we stayed up till like 3 a.m he had a boyfriend though at the time so nothing classic happened but i remember we split off half of half like like i think like two groups split off in half of the evening and i remember like he was texting me being like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm still at the hotel. And he was like, oh, we're nearly at my house, which was a good 15, 20 minutes away from where the club was. And he turned the entire car around, came back to the ho- like the bar where we were. I get in the car at the front and like him and his boyfriend are like yelling at each other at the back. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where I'm going, what I'm doing, but I'm just going with it. Like I was just like all about going with the flow at the time. And the next day, I remember we had a work, like everyone who was like, everyone I was interning with, there was like a team of like, it was a small team. They took us out for lunch and they were like, oh, Jake, you're going home tomorrow. Like, so like, so sad to say goodbye. And then like this guy walks in, we're having lunch the next day after this evening. He walks in to the restaurant. Obviously he's texting my boss at the time, like, where are you guys? He walks into the restaurant. I've oh my god! <laughs> sitting at the table, there was six of us. There was like no one. He's sitting at the end of the table, just like doesn't really acknowledge how random and weird this is. Like, but at the same time, like it was just like we kept like looking at each other, and it was just so weird. It was just very strange. And I remember he was like, "Where are you?" And then we left, and he was like, "What are you doing tonight?" Also, this is so off topic, but I'm just telling you as a friend at this point. Yeah, it's a dream. <laughs> I, we get out of the car and I'm sorry, I was about to get in the car to leave. He was like, where are you going tonight? I was like, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm going to the airport. I'm going back to London. He was like, no, no, no. Like, please, can I take you out for dinner? Like, I was like, um, sure. Like, fine. So he picked me up that evening. I'm literally going, leaving in the next morning. Like, very early. He picks me up. He's like, we go for dinner and we honestly, all of a sudden the lights come on. It was like midnight or something. He was like, we're closing the restaurant. You guys are the only ones here. And I swear to God, and I know this sounds so cheesy and corny, I actually didn't realize that no one else was there. Like it was like one of the craziest, even to this day, like the, the a connection that I just like, it was nuts. So I'm like leaving after having the best month of my life, like what, like interning, like working with these incredible people and just, being so exposed to a completely new world that I was never exposed to before. And then I meet this guy, like the night, like literally the night before I leave in a way that was just like, it was, it was a weird connection that I just couldn't 
not, I couldn't let go of it. Like it was so, it was so nuts. And like we were texting on the plane and it was just so, when I came back to London, I was just like, I was in this whirlwind of like, I was just in heaven. Like everything was just spinning. And I was like, this is what I need to be doing. This is so when you came, when you came back from, came back to London, was that kind of like a moment where you had to decide to get a job on, or, or, yeah. or was that? Yeah. So that was what was hardest. Everyone obviously was graduating. I missed my graduation because I was in LA at the time. Everyone, my, everyone was like, oh, we're graduating. And I was like, I couldn't give a fuck. Like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> what's so ironic is I got a first because I used to get C's and B's growing up and never do well. And I worked my ass off to get a really good grade. And I was just like, yeah, I got this grade. I'm going to LA. I met this guy. Like, I'm good. Shut the fuck up. Like, I was like, <laughs> I am on my way to bigger and better things. Like, I was just feeling myself at that time. And yeah. like, I think that everyone needs to feel themselves. It's not being arrogant and it's not, not being modest. You just need to have that moment where you're like, I am here and I'm going to like do whatever I want to do. And everyone deserves to have that moment. And it doesn't mm-hmm. come from money. It doesn't come from connections. It comes from the, you putting yourself out there and like bringing, bringing that to fruition. And I think every, and obviously I can still say that coming from a place of privilege. Like I'm not like, it's not like I was on the street, but I'm still like at the end of the day, all of those experiences I made happen. It wasn't my mm-hmm. mom or dad who introduced me to someone in LA. And my dad didn't give me $10,000 to just like figure it out. I literally made it happen. And I, and I had the best time. And when I came home, everyone was getting real jobs. And I was like, again, I was on this whole train of like, I'm going to work in All Saints and Brent Cross. I'm going to be here for a few months. I'm going to get offered a job in LA. I'm going to move. I'm going to do all these things. And I remember I walked into All Saints. And honestly, like anyone who grew up in North London and realizes how hard it is to get a retail job because it's like you're too overqualified at some point. They're like, we can't actually have you because you are too qualified for this. So like you can't come in here and that it was really hard to get a job. You can also cut that out. That's savage, but. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. So I walk into All Saints and I'm like, can I speak to the manager? They're like, we're not looking for any jobs. I was like, no, but I really think that we should just chat. Like I, I had this confidence that I wish I had still had to this day. Like I could just be really good for you. So we sit down in the office. She was like, any retail experience? I was like, none at all. But what I can tell you is I'm <laughs> at like selling things and just like, I will be, I will trust me, I'll be the best employee you've ever had. So they call me half an hour later. I remember like walking downstairs to get food. They're like, we've actually like decided to give you the job, which has never happened because we're not, taking on anyone right now and I was like this is what it's about it's like slaying through the world just like owning it like you're not like there's no like oh but they're not hiring or oh there's always an excuse it's just like yeah you've got to hustle you've got to hustle and be so uncomfortable like of course it's not comfortable to walk into a place and to tell someone that you think you're the shit like that's not <laughs> a natural thing for me to want to do so we walk, so I walk in, we get, I get the job. And I remember every day customers would be like, oh, I'll see you soon. I was like, actually, I'm moving to LA and I won't see you, but this has been great. And I hadn't oh even offer or anything at the time. I just was like, I know what's going to happen. Like, 
I I don't have any prospects of getting back there or getting any visa or anything. But like I'm I I it wasn't even like I believe in it. I was like it was I know I know that I am going to move and this is what's going to happen. And I would work there and like I remember eventually like the the company that I interned with offered me like a longer kind of internship type of thing. And my dad was like, I mean, I'll give you three months. But he was like, you can't just move somewhere and not have a job or get paid. I was like, just trust me. Like, this is what I have to do. There's no easy way of doing this. And I think that was that, this still was this still unpaid? Like, they offered you a job on an unpaid basis. They were paying for like expenses, but like we're talking. My rent was six hundred dollars. Do you understand how six hundred dollars today? It's like what? No, like they <laughs> can't live on that. So I remember getting paid and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to pay for my car and this. And it was just, but the thing is because I wanted it. And this is a perfect example of why when people look at your, look at your success and they're like, Oh, like it was so easy and quick for you. Like, no, it wasn't like, it was really fucking hard. I didn't get paid anything. I barely had money to buy food. And I literally paid to live in an, in an apartment with someone who had two cats. Like it was not a chill, like live in a sick apartment, like get a great paycheck, living the life. I wasn't living the life, like at all for at least two years. I was not living the life, but I was so happy to be here. And I wanted it so badly that I was willing to do whatever it took. I would sit some weekends on Netflix and watch TV alone. I didn't know anyone. Like, even though I'd been there for an internship, like, I, I was nothing. Like, I, w- I didn't know a ton of people. Did you have moments where you were where you were reconsidering it? Was it ever in doubt that you would be there? I would have days where I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I remember one day I went in to buy food and I literally had no money and I bought a bag of frozen edamame and I was like, I'm just going to have this for dinner tonight. And by the way, like, I never told my parents this at the time because they would have been so worried and I also didn't want anything from them. I didn't want them to give me money. I didn't want them to, I didn't want my dream to feel like, like it was on someone else's terms. So I was like, I'm going to keep, and even when I'm talking about this now, like I actually felt kind of emotional about it because like I could never do that now, like obviously, but it's just the things that I did do. And I lied about, I used to tell my friends at home and my parents, like, everything's amazing. Like, and I obviously told them when things were hard and they were there for me, but it was like, I was just, I was just happy to be here. And I was like, you know what? I had, I had no ego. I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes and I'm just going to work my ass off. I'm not going to ask for too much. And I'm just going to, and I was happy. Like I, I was happy. I didn't have any money, but there were so hard, false. hard times. <clears throat> So I was just going to say, so so fast forward a few years, you have built an incredible personal brand. You've got several businesses under your belt. You've got a huge roster of celebrity clients. You've been featured in Forbes. You've been featured in Architectural Digest. Obviously, based on what you've just said, it wasn't an overnight success. So were you hustling the whole way through at any point where you just like, you know what? I'm employed now. I'm getting a good paycheck. I'm living the life. I'm in this apartment what was the driving force behind you? Was it still the secret? You know, ask, believe, receive. My biggest thing is I think that, I think everything, what, how I feel like I've got to this place is it's about being resilient. It's like, you can be as positive as you want. And I try to be, but I have days, like I have one today. Like I'm not living the world being like, everything's amazing. And like, you can do whatever you want. And like, da, da, da. it's like, 
no, that again has been chipped away. Like I went from that person and then I'm having challenges and people questioning like what you're doing and like it all happens again. It's like, yeah, you move places around the world, but there you are still the same person with the same challenges, the same insecurities, the same wounds that you had before, but you're dealing with them in a different new way. So for me, how I get through it and I, I have all of the, I have an amazing life and all of this stuff, but I still have so much stress and challenges because it doesn't go away. And I think that that's what I've learned. It's being okay with the fact that you ride the wave, but you have those days that, that are amazing and you have those days that are bad. And then you just ride it because life is not about getting to a place of perfection. Everyone's like, oh, I've arrived. And now like this, now I don't need to give a shit about X, Y, and Z. It's like you do. Like there's always something to be worried about. So Mm -hmm. now who's to just think like, you know what? Nothing is going to be perfect. I'm going to do the best that I can do. And being resilient is key. It's like you have to allow, it's like, I think we're all obsessed with like being happy. And it's like, why are we, why are we being obsessed with being happy? It's actually impossible to be happy hundred percent of the time. And the goal for me is like living a life full of joy and like freedom. Those to me is, is different to happy. Like I can go and shop right now and be happy for a couple hours. You know what I mean? Like that will make yeah. me happy, but that doesn't affect you on a deeper level and and doesn't make you a resilient person. Like I have had my fair share, let me tell you, of either clients or people working in the past that have made me feel like shit, have brought me down, have made me question my worth, my abilities, all of it. And they will still always, there will always be the people that don't see it and there'll be the people that see it. And you've got to like let the light come in and the people that try to drain you you have to just push away and not take it personally. And like, it's been a really hard journey for me because even to this day, it's very difficult and challenging to constantly be in a position that I, my job is to make other people happy. And I can't do that. Like I can't put myself aside for other people a hundred percent. Like I'm in the service business and as we're building uh, the brand, like things are evolving and changing but it means that I have to get a thicker skin and be okay with the fact that you can't please everyone. Like I am such a people pleaser. Like I'm sure you are like, you just constantly like a lot of, I feel like a lot of gay, gay people or anyone that's like had some sort of like rejection in their life. You're always trying to please people. Like you need to be accepted and like embrace. Mm. And for me, like when I don't feel embraced or accepted or like someone is questioning me or my worth, like I, crumble and go back to the same person that I was standing in PE being picked last. Like that's what happened. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter how much older you are, or how much you have physically or externally, you can go back to that place that you were as a child in a different way. Like I can feel that feeling of rejection or not enough or like not good enough or all these things or compare myself to other people and other positions and it's like own your life own your truth own your reality and you can coexist with other people because you might be the benchmark for someone else like at the end of the day like I might sit here and be like fuck I'm not this person that person I don't have this I don't have that 
I don't know this and whatever, but at the same time, I'm going to be a benchmark to someone else. And that person's going to be a benchmark to another person. Like we are all here to inspire and grow one another at a different level. I'm sure the person that I look up to the most who I think has got it all figured out probably doesn't feel the same. It's a general imposter syndrome that everyone, if you're a human being and you're in touch with your feelings, you suffer imposter syndrome because that's what we do. We were a child and now we're an adult. Like you don't just like become a different person. You carry all of that experience and all of that baggage and all of that trauma, good, bad, and the rest to your adult life. It doesn't just like cut off and start again. So what I try to do is, is when I am feeling not great, I'm like, no, what is Jake the adult? In this situation, what is Jake the adult doing? Not what's the kid feeling? What am I feeling? And what am I going to do in a situation as an adult? And you have to differentiate too. So all of that resonates so well with me. And, and you said it so articulately, so articulate. You were so articulate. Um, I was going to ask you if you have imposter syndrome. So you kind of answered that. But I remember talking to you fairly recently and we were talking about your your art, your talent, you are at the end of the day, a designer. And one thing you've always said that you never compromise on is your talent, is your design. So how do you, how do you deal with it when clients tell you they don't like something that you've created? So I would say like, in general, I don't think it gets to that point because I think there's so much process in the, in the, there's a lot of the process. It's not just like, okay, like we're doing this in the house. It's like yeah. you work on a project for two years and like we're designing four months or whatever it is. So you're always involving the client and, and they're in, in the creation process. But obviously there are times where like someone doesn't see the vision, but it, it's, that's what makes me a better designer. And that is what I think has made me evolve my style and taste and, and aesthetic is because I work with different people all the time that have different sensibilities. And that is what has allowed me, in my opinion, to be able to be a designer that is not just doing one type of design. Like I, when someone's like, what's your style? It's like, I can do anything. I work on modern houses, traditional Spanish, mid-century, it doesn't matter I will embody what the project is only because I've worked with so many different people who have different sensibilities. And yes, obviously there's a common thread between all the work that I do or any designer does, because it's just like what you're attracted to. And I think at this stage, I have clients that come to you because they want what I do through, they want. And what, what is that? What is your common thread? My common thread is, is, is feeling. It's how someone lives. Like I'm so big on lifestyle and comfort and, um, in embracing that ahead of just what something looks like. So while it's so important that the aesthetics are obviously key, I'm more concerned about someone walking into a space that I've designed and it feeling good. Like that is very different to making something look good on a photo. I know how to make something look good in like a magazine. Like that's one thing and that we mm-hmm. do shoot. It's different. But ultimately my biggest goal when I'm working on a project is I want to come into that house with the lights dimmed down, candles on, music on, and there is a complete atmosphere that has been created. And that's the magic. Like, that is what I love to do. Like, I work on houses from dirt where there is not even a house, where we're working with an architect for two years, build the house all the way to picking the dishes that go into a cabinet. So I'm not just picking paints and wallpaper. Like, we are involved from construction from day one 
to with the execution. And in part of that is a, is a process. Like it's so stressful. We're dealing with clients. Everyone has an opinion. Every it's your day, <laughs> timelines, all of it. And for me, my goal is always to make people walk in and be like, Oh my God. Like I've had people cry. I mean, to be honest, like if someone doesn't cry after the reveal, I'm like, what the fuck? Like we've done it. <laughs> I'm going to cry. I always tell clients, I'm like, at least just pretend. But it feels like sometimes like when you watch those shows where you're like, there's a big reveal and it's emotional. I get to experience that in real time. And that is why I do what I do. And that's what keeps me doing what I do because it's the feeling of realizing and executing something that actually makes a change to someone's life. And it's so much deeper than just like picking a chair or, or like picking a paint color. It's like, we are really creating and like, and a manifestation of what this person wants to live and like what our vision is together. So it's so much, it is actually a very spiritual act while it's superficial. It's yeah. very we have an impact in the way that people are living. So for me, when I'm asked to do certain projects, like it's all about the relationship with the clients and making sure that we have a good rapport and that we're on the same page. Because I would say that 90% of the people that I work with, we have a relationship that is very, it's like, it's, we're very formal and like professional in what we do, but I don't have the types of like formal relationships that like feel very, and I think that's a big part of like why I've been like able, corporate relationships. Why I've been able to get to this place because I really connect with the people I work with, and I'm real. Like I'm the same way I'm on this call with you as I am with clients because I I can only be myself and only do what I do is and be better at what I do by being myself. And I think that that's why I've been able to work with so many different people in in all different industries because they are so used to working with people that can be pretty pretentious and difficult to work with. And I try to yeah. make myself be as kind of like grounded in reality as possible because it doesn't, it doesn't go a day that I don't recognize and know where I come from and know who I am as a person. And it's beyond and above money, apartments, houses, vacations. It's above that. It's like, Take it all away from me today. Literally take everything away from me financially. I know as a person, I am strong and I can survive and do whatever I want to do. And I mean that. Not that I want it to be taken away. Yeah, obviously. It's, I'm, I'm past that. I don't need the realization that, it, that, that I don't need it. And I think that that's my daily challenge. Or anyone that's on a spiritual journey who also is entrepreneurial is that every day I'm like, fuck, I know I could live without any of this but why do I do it because it's like you have a passion for something and you are mm -hmm. with this I'm always wanting to build 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 and make something that comes from the place of like authenticity like I'm not building a brand that's just like I want to have the most Instagram followers and sell the most shit it's like I want to put my stamp on the world of like how I want to embody living and making people feel good and how can I make people feel good beyond just having clients. It's like, how do I, how do I develop my offering and what I'm giving to people so that they can have that taste of what my clients might have? Like, that's what I'm, that's and, what I'm and do you, do, do you feel like, I mean, you've, you've kind of alluded to it, but do you, are you proud of yourself today based on what you said about the feelings of rejection, rejection as a child and you, you know, how awful your school life was and you, 
proud of the businesses you've built. You know, I know you talk about Instagram followers and money being nothing to you, but surely you must reflect on that and feel good about yourself. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here and saying that like making money and being successful and having external like benchmarks of success don't mean anything. They definitely do. And they definitely have made me feel proud of them. But what I will tell you is that's not enough to actually have full confidence in yourself. I still have days that I feel good about myself. And like, yeah. You literally called me last week and we had this very discussion. You were like, James, I'm not, I feel like I'm not, I've not done a good job. And I was like, you're nuts. You're absolutely nuts. And I, but I think that's what drives me. That's what makes me, it's like, I know there's no such thing as perfection, but if I'm having an off day, I do think about the things I've achieved and I feel good about it. But I think it's important like you don't rest on those achievements because you're always trying to grow. Like I'm always trying to evolve as a person individually and as a business owner. So it's like, it's not just like, oh, we've got all this press, we're doing all this stuff. Like now we can just be like, yes, figuring it out. But again, at the same time, I make sure I take those moments to celebrate. And someone told me told me this, and I always remember it, is always celebrate the wins when they happen. Yeah. Like when I moved into my apartment and I was so happy, I was like, I'm going to sit here and take it in for what I've accomplished and what I've achieved, and I will enjoy it. Like, yes, something shit might happen tomorrow, but like in those moments where like you get on a cover of a magazine or like you're building your business and something great happens, make sure you celebrate however small it is. And that is the key to being in a space of gratitude is it's not about everything being perfect and lined up. It's that all of the things that have come to fruition, you have to celebrate them and have to take it to a win. But what keeps people going and what is an entrepreneurial spirit is this constant state of like evolving, moving, pushing. So it's like, there's, it's like, while you have to be grateful, be present and like, enjoy those moments. Also, like you don't get too caught up in that. Like, just because I have magazines and a, and a nice apartment and like, I'm doing things in the world doesn't mean I can be like, give, I, it doesn't mean that I can like, not give a shit and like, just, do you know what I mean? Like you have to, it's, yeah. that's what keeps me grounded. Like I'm not no, I love- around with a billion dollars in my bank account or living in a 20,000 square foot house, but I'm happy where I'm at now. So it's like, how do you keep growing and pushing by knowing that like not me living in a bigger house or having more money isn't going to change my life. Like it will make me buy more things, but it's not <laughs> a happier person. So it's like, you have to do the work first. Like money doesn't change you. It just, projects and magnifies who you are as a person and that's the thing that people get wrong is that they think that money makes you happy and it doesn't it just it it makes you free and it gives you some level of joy and security but no one that I know who's really rich is immune to being depressed or feeling like shit like just as a fact I love that so insightful um Jake as you know, I've asked you to prepare a, a little letter um, to your younger self. And this is one I have been so excited for because I know who you are today. I've said a lot of it, but we'll That's okay. We want to hear it again. Um, so have you, where is it on your phone? Uh, yeah, I'm putting it up. Okay, amazing. Um, yeah, I'm super, I'm super excited about this one. Um, well, I love them all, but... Um, I know I know you as an adult just as much as I knew you as a kid. So I would love to know what you would say to your younger self 
دیگه So like honestly, it's like while it sounds like I'm really easy talking about this, it still is vulnerable and awkward that like anyone who's listening to this, it's like really important to note that like I'm figuring it out. Like there's no world in which like what you might see on Instagram or what you might hear, like it doesn't mean shit. Like it just doesn't. It's not real. It's actually in- The whole premise of something like social media is impossible to be 100% authentic because it shows a square of a situation. So it's like you could, literally. you could be on a beach and take a picture of a beach, but then right behind you, someone could be yelling your name and being like, what the fuck? Like anything could be happening, but it's what you choose to share. So being truly authentic is actually not possible on Instagram because it doesn't have the capacity to quote unquote, show the whole picture. It's not like that mm-hmm. in the premises. It's not showing the whole picture. Like I might show my apartment and then behind me is a stack of boxes. Like no one, <laughs> it's, it's all fake. It's so like knowing that it's fake. is so It's all fake. Like it's all fake and knowing. And it's important for me. It's yeah. It's like knowing it's fake, but also just like checking in on yourself for knowing that. Because I feel like when you're sitting in bed or you're watching Netflix and you're scrolling through Instagram and you're seeing everyone's perfect lives, it's so easy to like tell yourself your life shit. And you and that self talk is so important. And I think we all need a reality check sometimes to just know that it's it's not real. And I'm so so guilty of that. And I'll tell you from experience, the people that I know who might not share anything, I know that they live a great life and they don't need to share it. By the way, like we all want to share our stuff. Like, of course, like everyone's searching for validation. Like our whole, as a human, the biggest thing that we want is to just be seen. It's like, is yeah, that okay? Yeah. Is that enough? Am I good enough? Like that is, that is the human experience. And like Oprah once said that, that anyone she used to interview, however famous, rich successful whatever when the when the camera would shut down um to go on like a commercial break they would all turn around to her and be like was that okay doesn't matter who you are where you are where you think someone is every single person is always striving to be accepted seen and heard so it is not just a case of people thinking they're the shit and the people that walk around this earth being like, I'm the shit, I'm this, that, the other. It's all insecurity. No one who actually is happy, secure with themselves, like lives that way. Because you don't be seen. Because you don't need the validation. Yeah. Um, We're digressing and I still want to hear your letter. So I don't know if I like, because obviously I'm not great at grammar, like in terms of the tense, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but. I mean, you literally just said no one cared. Like, no one cares. No, no, I'm just, no, I'm just telling you, I don't, it's not that I care. I'm just telling you, like, English is not my, it's, it's my first <laughs> language, but it's not my grammar abilities and not reflective of that. Um, okay. Okay. Dear Jake, <laughs> I can feel how you're feeling right now and seeing you in the school gym at PE class being picked last on the team like you always are and seeing how alone and rejected you feel. I want to tell you that you're never going to care about sports, so just stop worrying about it. Everyone in the class is so focused and present, and you're always in your own world thinking about the future and trying so hard to get out of where you are right now. You don't even realize how much you have and that you are only and and you are not only enough, but you are actually abundant and anything is possible for you. You feel like you always have to do things that seem more masculine or feel more appropriate. I'm telling you now 
your more feminine qualities will serve you in the future and it's okay to embrace what you do and enjoy and not worry about being bullied or called names. You are different and you're not someone that just molds into the crowd and that's okay because you won't even want to be around that many people when you get older because you love your own space and you'll always be that way. Everyone wants to be your friend. I can see it, but you're so scared to let people in because you feel like you're hiding and you don't want to be seen. It's always how I can stand this way, speak this way, share interests in a way that make me feel accepted. I know how much it stresses you out that people are talking about you and assessing whether you're gay or not. I'm telling you none of it will matter. You are gay and you are who you are and no one and nothing can bring you down. You are loved and accepted and worthy of love. Right now, everyone doubts you and thinks that you're not good at anything, which honestly, you were never praised for anything that you enjoy, especially in school. Your passions and interests and fascinations with other people's houses and moving around your bedroom will actually serve you and make you into a designer who will be asked to work with some of the most respected names in Hollywood. I know you know you're destined for big things because I've seen the way I've seen you on your own feeling like you wait. I know you know you're destined for big things because I've seen you on your own feeling like you get the world and understand it like you've been on this earth before and you were right I'm so proud of you and who you will become it's crazy you will learn what it means to be resilient because that's what it means to be strong it's not about being weak or strong but always being but always being resilient and not focusing on being a people pleaser you will have some rocky relationships and date men who are dealing with their own issues. But again, don't let people project onto you and rob your light. Never dim yourself for other people's comfort. You will live a life of joy and love and ride the wave of what life is about. Remember to stay humble, grounded. Remember your, you are your soul and not your ego and let your soul guide you and trust the unseen and gratitude for what you experience. Love. Wow. How did you feel writing yeah, that? I feel like more emotional now reading out loud because I, I didn't really read it properly. I was just writing it. And I feel, I just like take like a big breath. Like I feel like, I feel like emotional because I feel like it's really hard and like, I, and, and like people who are listening or like even if it's one person that can feel better about themselves or like that it doesn't it doesn't matter where you are now like there's room for growth and like yeah it's just like I mean, that's that's why i feel yeah and, and this is why this is why we're doing the podcast because it's all about trying to to level everyone right like we we all feel like we're, we're there's so much anxiety and there's so much pressure going on in the world right now and you know we look at people like you on Instagram and we see what we think is success. And actually you sharing your story and being so vulnerable is so empowering and motivating to anyone listening who knows that we don't, we really, really, no one has their shit together. We are like a fucking damaged group of people, especially people our age, I find. Um, And, you know, you opening yourself up like that is, is so meaningful and so powerful. Um, and to say so, you know, to stay humble and be so spiritual and, and have such a positive look on life it is also just absolutely incredible and admirable. So thank you for sharing your story thank with us you. today. And I'm honestly so proud of you. But again, same thing. It's like, let's turn the mic around. It's like, 
I think that people would understand. And I'm sure that when a lot of people saw you saying that you were doing a podcast, they're like, what the fuck is James doing a podcast about? Like what? Like he's, and again, it's like, everyone's trying so hard to be like, what are you doing? And it's like, you know what? You are passionate about something. You're interested in something. You want to delve deeper and guess what? You're doing it. So guess what? You're in the ring fighting the fight while people are commenting yeah. on the outside with their fucking opinions. And the only people that are allowed to give their opinions to you are the people that are doing things and are putting themselves out there and being vulnerable and being yeah. in what you're doing. I commend because it is extremely vulnerable to do something that you haven't done before and also like feel like unapologetic about it. So I think for that, you should be so proud of yourself. And, and I always say this, it's like, there's very few people in the world that you can just call at any given moment, like the good or the bad. And like, you're one of those friends, one of my really like closest best friends that like, it doesn't matter what, like we have gone through so many times that we haven't spoken but it just doesn't matter. It's like we can have these deep conversations, but we can also like lull and like go clubbing <laughs> and like get and like be a mess. And like that's what makes our friendship so special. And I think that yeah. now that I've lived in another country for a long time, I really now value those friendships in a way that I didn't before because I think I was constantly chasing and pushing away everything I knew, not necessarily individuals, but just like. I think a lot of times people move, they're like, well, fuck this and fuck them. Blah, 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 and it's like very fuck you. And now I'm in a place where it's like, I've done fuck you. And now I'm like, I just want to be around people that I really care about and have good relationships with and people that I can yeah. depend on. And that is what it's about. It's not about like mixing with certain people that you think is cool. Like I don't give a shit. I want to be friends with people that they can be there for the bad and the good. And we are, we are those people. And, and I've always felt you and, you know, anyone else that's moved abroad, like it doesn't matter what country you live in. We still have a very, very close friendship and connection. And I hope we do for another 30 years to come. And as soon as I can, I will be on the first flight to LA and I can't wait to see your new apartment and we're going to get wasted and it's going to be loads of fun. And I, I literally cannot wait to see you. Thank you so much for joining me today well thank you it was so fun and i'm sure i spoke way too much but like deal with you it. didn't it was perfect deal with it anyone listening i hope you've listened to the whole way through because jake is a preacher and i love it okay i love you jake love you bye wow what an inspiration thank you so much again for joining me jake there's just so many lessons in there for us all don't forget to subscribe to this podcast from wherever you get your podcast from. And if you can, be sure to leave a review. Until next time, stay safe and I'll see you soon.